singing for souls. Singing for souls. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Singing for souls. And you'll be able to fill in the blanks as we follow through this morning. I remember uh, as a young man with my sisters loving High School Musical. Does anyone know High School Musical here? I'm not sure which, which one in the sequence it was, but Sharpay does some vocal warm-ups. Anyone remember that? Does anyone know some singing vocal exercises here? Don't do it with me. La, 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 la. Any low voices here? La, 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 la. All right. Get, so no one wants to warm up their voices? That's okay. Thank you for joining with me, those watching online. But... So as you see on the, on the notes there, Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 34, we're going to read that this morning, singing for souls. So um, that, the, my Bible's titled it, Paul and Silas in Prison. I'm going to wipe that out and change my title to singing for souls. One day, hmm, this is interesting, so one day as we were going down to the place of prayer, just some context for you, the person writing this was a man named Luke. In your Bible we know the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Now Luke writ Luke and Acts as one big collection and our Bible thought they would split it to confuse us. So that's who's talking. So Luke's saying, one day we were going down to the place of prayer and we met a slave girl Sorry, sorry, a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. Can anyone say ka-ching? Ka-ching. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell uh, tell you how to be saved. This went on. Day after day, until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly, it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas, dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace, and the whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. And they are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. The interesting thing is there is they didn't realize they're actually not just Jews anymore. They were Christians, but we'll we'll, uh, we'll respect those, their incorrect analysis of these men. Uh, Verse 22, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas uh, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. I don't know if you've heard stories or maybe this was you where you had... Uh, back in the day when these things were normal, that you'd get smacked by some kind of device. And what would be your first response? I'm going to put on some more layers to protect me from the beating. Well, obviously, here, no layers. Layers were removed for full, for full feeling uh, so that the nerves would get the full treatment. So they were um, beaten with wooden rods uh, and they were se- uh, severely beaten. Then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. At around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! 
We are all here. The jailer called for the lights, ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all uh, who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them, washed their wounds, and then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and shared and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Wow, what an awesome um, piece of the Bible. Singing for souls. And the other thing I want to just highlight for us as well, as I've said this before, but that there isn't just a story, it's not a fairy tale. I believe that was a real account of human beings 2,000 odd years ago. That, that, and if God did those things, and I still believe as Christians, he did it to those Christians, he can do these sorts of things in our lives as believers, as Christians in Jesus. And so point number one, you'll see on the notes there, it says P in P, and I'm going to fill in the blanks for you, prayer is power, sorry, power in prayer. Point number one, we're going to talk about there's power in prayer. And so in this, this account that we just read, we see that there's a slave girl. Now we live in a, Australia, which is a capitalistic country. That's just pretty awesome. If you want to start a business, you can. If you want to set up a lemonade stand like the American TV shows, you can. If you, and and I, th- I love that in Australia. If you want to start a business, you can. In our church, I know a lot of entrepreneurs. We've just seen a, uh, a restaurant open up from people in our church. I see swing res- uh, businesses in our church. I see, this, and we've got many business owners. Uh, I love that as an Australian. And so we see these guys here, they, they had an entrepreneurial idea. We're going to make some money. We're going to use this woman's demonic oppression as our ticket to fame, to our ticket to sweet mullah, right? But here's the thing that we've got to understand. Just because it makes money, it does not make it right. Just because your business makes you money doesn't make it right. And you could probably think of businesses in Australia that makes people money, but it doesn't mean trading those those things doesn't make it right. Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pa- pastor, Jimmy, I work with him. We know a, a, um, uh, a rep for, to, for our business that used to deal in other things um, and he was a, a consultant for other, other things. But that's beside the point. But just because it makes money, this is what we learn here, just because it makes money doesn't make it right, right? But the other thing I want to point out to you as well that we see in this start of this thing, the supernatural is real. Demonic is very real. If the demonic was alive and flowing in Jesus' life in the early church, there's demonic spiritual forces in your life, in Port Lincoln. Shock horror. And I don't think as a church, as Christians, we address and confront the the demonic forces enough in our lives and in our situations. And um and, and but what I love about what Paul Paul had the understanding of is that he saw people over profit. And he says, you know what, this woman, um, and here's the other thing as well. So we see this, this girl oppressed by spirit speaking truth. These men are, these are men of God. These men will help you get saved. That's a good thing. Do I have agreement? That's actually a good thing. She's telling the truth, but Paul understood the spirit behind that, which was, oppression and slavery and bondage and and so it was it was half good 
but it wasn't fully good. And so just because something's half true, half good, doesn't mean it's, it's a counterfeit. And so we've got to have the discernment of spirits to understand that. And we might go, oh, well, that sounds good. That's it. But what's the root of it? What's the truth of it? And Paul had the discernment to go, this isn't just a, a, uh, someone telling the truth. It's, this is a, a spirit here because a woman was in bondage. And what God wants to do in your life should not cause you to be in bondage. What God wants, you to, wants to do in your life, what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life should lead to freedom, not you being a slave to people. And so I love that, the fact that Paul, um, and so this is what Paul did. He activated, <laughs> he activated the anointing and the authority of God. And that's what we've got to do as Christians. We've got to activate the authority and the anointing of God. As a church, we've got to activate the authority and the anointing of God in our lives. Because that, that, and it, oh, that's what I love in Acts, uh, sorry, Joel chapter 2. Joel prophesies of the future and he says the, the, the Holy Spirit is going to be poured upon, out upon all people. And I love it. It says young men and old men, women and males. It doesn't matter. Whatever thing, how we ever want to break it. A Port Adelaide supporter or a Crow supporter. A Labour voter or a Liberal voter. It does not matter where we sit God wants to pull out his spirit upon all people. I love that. Whether we're in kids' church or we're in prime movers, God wants to pour out his spirit upon all people. And then so we see this this prophecy in Joel chapter 2. And then it says in Acts chapter 2, we see the fulfillment of that. And Peter's preaching and he says, this is what was prophesied. We're not drunk. This was prophesied in Joel chapter 2, that the spirit of God has come upon people. And that same Holy Ghost power that came upon the early church can come upon us. That same spirit of God was on Paul, that he had the authority, the anointing of God to tell a demon spirit in the name of Jesus, you got to go, and it left. And I believe that spirit can come upon you. It's not for a pastor on the stage. It's not for your connect group leader, or a life group leader, I should say. It is for you as a person to have the discernment and the authority to go, we're going to speak to the demonic spirits, and they must leave, because we're carrying the authority. There's that scary story in Acts 19 about the sons of Sceva. They used, they used the template, um, in the name of Jesus, as Paul preaches... And then the demon beat them up and they left naked. Because, and so if you want to learn how to keep your clothes on, you've got to get the authority, the Holy Spirit filling for yourself to go, you know, I carry the anointing of God. I carry the authority of God that when I speak, demons flee because I'm living that kind of life. Because there's power in prayer. And I want us to be a church that lives like that. I believe that we can be that church that has the discernment to go, it might have been, and I love it. So they, one day they go to the temple to pray. And then this spirit keeps raising up its head. This, this demonic thing keeps raising up its head. And we've got to be switched on in the spirit that after day after day, we go there, this thing is here, there's something about this. And we've got to get the discernment and go, where's this demonic spirit? And say, back off. You don't belong in my workplace. You don't belong in my family. You don't belong in this area. Because I carry the anointing of God, and that's what takes precedent. So we've got to activate the anointing and authority of God because there's power in prayer. Number two. Praise in public. Praise in public. And so we see Paul and Silas. They are rewarded for freeing this girl. And so they free this girl. And what, how are they rewarded? They're, they're stripped naked. They're beaten. And then they're put in maximum security prison. Now, I, I, would, be, I would feel like that's a bit unfair. Like, come on, I did a good thing here. And now you've, you've chucked me in this prison. I'm beaten and I'm naked. And then what's their response? I know if you would put Josh in that situation, it would be 
that's why I wasn't put there, because my response would not cut the picture. Their response is praise. Their response is worship. In a moment where you should be singing all the woe is to me, all the I'm a victim, I'm offended. And what they're doing, they see the goodness of God. They see the glory of God. They see the majesty of God. This this challenges me to my core. People talk about the things they they want to pull out the Bible. I would want to pull that out of the Bible, rewrite that, because... But the, I want to have the eyes of Paul. I want to have the eyes of Silas that see the goodness of God despite the circumstance. And so they had what I would call a posture of praise. And so the way I can describe this, it reminds me of Daniel. For those that are familiar with the book of Daniel, Daniel is a, a top lad and then people don't like him because of his faith. And it's interesting as well because Jesus says, um, people will hate you because of me. And, and it's interesting because you, you talk about anything at work or, or football, wherever you might be, and people don't care. You start talking about Jesus, you start talking about the church, and people start getting, why is it there? We used to have the food bank come here to help people, and people were like, oh, why does it have to be at a church? Why? Because there's something spiritual spiritual about it and the same Daniel faces that our church saw that by just letting the food bank come here and so the, this Daniel's a, a really good man and then the only way people could get rid of him was by bringing his religion into it by bringing his faith into it so they outlaw his prayer but this is what I love about that situation what does Daniel do is as soon as they're outlawed and so the rule is Daniel if you continue to pray if you continue to have a God other than our king you're going to have a night with the lions. He goes, you know what? I'm going to go and pray. And he didn't pray because he goes, oh, no, God, what am I going to do? He prayed because it's who he was. And so prayer wasn't something that Daniel did. Prayer was who Daniel was because he had a posture of prayer. But Paul and Silas, like Daniel, they didn't have a posture of prayer. Well, they did, but they had a posture of praise. Well, they said, worship is not what I do. Worship is who I am. And so it doesn't matter my circumstance. It, I worship God because it's who I am. And I want to be a person, I want us to be a church where we have a posture of praise. And if anyone had an excuse, if anyone had a reason, if there was a candidate to be offended and to be a victim, Paul and Silas are your ones. They did a good thing and then they're treated so harshly, but they they didn't come to, they brought church to them. And they go, you know what? This is going to be a place of praise. I'm going to make this prison a place of praise. I'm going to make this prison a place where I give God glory. And I, I just love that. And so like Daniel was, a, was, was in prayer, these guys were in praise. Let's be a people that make that our default position. Let's make that our default response. Not victim mentality, not offended, but a, a heart of praise, a position and a posture of praise. And I love that. I want to commit to being unoffendable. I don't want to let things get in me and change me, but I want God to have it all. And so I want to put this out there. Is worship something that you do or is worship who you are? Is worship an obligation or is worship your heart's desire? I don't just want to come to church and go through the motions and play church and church karaoke. No, I want it to be my heart's desire. I want to be the thing my heart longs for, to be in God's presence. As, as David in the psalm says, I long to be in your courts. There's no place I'd rather be. I want to live that life where I have a heart's longing to be with God more and more. And so if, if worship is something we do, uh, we'll com- 
complain about the sound. Oh, it's too loud. Oh, it's too quiet. We'll complain about the style. Well, I don't like the, the guitar and that. Or, or whatever the thing is. Volume, sound. We'll complain about things of worship. But if worship is who we are, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what room we're in. It doesn't matter what, what song we sing. There's just an overflow. We don't even, like, because I have a, a heart for worship, I can sing right now. Jesus, you are good. Jesus, you are worthy. Because it doesn't matter the tune, because it's who I am. It's not what I do, it's who I am. And I want to live a life like that. But God gives, gets my all. It's not something that I do. It's an overflow of who I am. And so we, we see there, though, at midnight, they were singing and worshipping. And so it doesn't say that they started at midnight. They could have been three hours in. I don't know. But what we do know, where the stars aligned, if you like to say, is they were singing and then everyone started listening. And so their, prayers, their praise went public. Their praise went public because the, the prisoners started listening. And so I don't know what song they were singing, but... Their, their song was heard, and I, I, want us to, I want to live a life, and I want our church to live a life where our praise is public. That people know, like Daniel, his prayer was public, and it got him in like got him up uh, a night with the lions. Few excursion to the Monado Zoo night with the lions experience, but in the but it was public. Is our worship public? Do, do we live a life where God, like a simple thing like saying the grace? That is a, a, an expression of worship. Because it's saying, God, thank you that I'm not starving today. Thank you that you've provided for me this meal. Because why? It, it, it's not an obligation. It's, a, it's just a, a heart of, of expression of worship. And God, I'm so grateful for what I, where I am, what I've got. And I'll, I'll say it like this. Uh, their spiritual act, and so we want to say worship, praise, had a physical impact. Their physical act had a, sorry, their spiritual act had a physical impact. And, and it reminds me of the story of Joshua in the book of Joshua. And um, it's all these examples, Daniel, Daniel, Joshua, Joshua. That we see they get to the first, um, so, and, and there's so many uh, links back to this, this situation with Paul Silas and the slave girl. Like the slave girl is freed from bondage of, of this, this demonic spirit, this... Um, the, these people of Israel have been in bondage of Egypt and they're, they're released. What happens? They come up to Jericho, a walled city. And so it's like, well, how do we get this? We can't break in. We've got no army structure. What are we going to do? So God gives them the strategy, walk around the city for six days. So the, the, the people of Israel are walking around the city for six days. Hmm. This, 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 this oppressed girl, day after day after day, exasperating Paul. I'm seeing some more links here, right? So they're walking around the city for six days. And then what, what happens? God says on the seventh day, have a shout. Ah! Right? That was a shout. They had a physical response, a physical act, had a, like, of, the, of a spiritual thing because God, so their spiritual physical act had a physical res, impact because then the city walls came down. Now, I don't know how that happened. I don't know if it was like... Or if it was sunk into the, my picture is like a hydraulic straight in the dirt. I don't know how the how the walls fell, but because of the shout, the physical, like the spiritual physical response, that had a spiritual impact because the walls came down. And, and then the same thing, Paul, day after day after day, saw this this 
this demonic spirit had the discernment in the name of Jesus, spoke, had the, had, had the response, and there was a miracle take place. And I just believe that we've we got to live a life where we continue to go, we're not going to tolerate these things, but we're going to have a worship that breaks chains. We're going to have a worship that shifts things in the supernatural. And, and I want to, I've got to preface this warning. If, you, if you're taking notes on your phone, get out the, the emoji, the warning star, warning danger. Here's the thing we've got to learn. Prayer and worship is not an exchange. It's not like a, Here, I go to work, now pay me. It's not an exchange. Prayer and worship, is not, it's not a pattern to copy. This is not, because we can look at this as a blackmail. Well, God, I've come to church. I've worshipped. Now it's time for the breakthrough. Now it's time for the worship. No, 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 no. no. We, we can't get into that mindset. We don't come to worship for a breakthrough, but the breakthrough happens because of the worship. And so we've got to make sure that our heart's desire is just to praise God because Paul and Silas weren't in prison going, we want the chains to break. We want the prison doors to open. We want a crazy earthquake that scares us. No, they're saying glory to God and it was a response of that, right? And so don't worship for a breakthrough. Don't sing for a supernatural shaking. Those things will happen because we did it. And, and two men singing opened up the jail for many prisoners. And I just believe your worship and our praise sets the scene for the supernatural and for breakthrough, for miracles. And that's why you'll hear atheists talk to Dion in church. An atheist came to church for, after a few weeks. His heart gets softened and he believes in God. How do those things happen? Because worship is powerful. When we come and worship, we don't know what things are happening. I'm believing for days in our church when we're going to be worshipped. Backs are going to be restored. Families, There's going to be family things resolved because of the power of worship. And so, uh, yeah, we've got to understand those things are a result of worship and it's not why we worship. And so um, I don't want to... I don't want to be a person that's worshipping to unlock miracles. I, I believe that when I worship, miracles will be unlocked. And um, Ben Prescott, a random pastor in America, he said this quote one time, and it's, it's just it's got in me. And it, he says, sometimes you have to be kind to others, not because they are nice, but because you are. And like every time I be rude, every time I do something that's not right, this like challenges me. He's like, no, Josh. Don't, like, I don't respond in the way that they treat me. I've got to respond in a way because it's who I am. So it doesn't matter what comes at me. I've got to be kind to others because I'm a nice person. It doesn't matter whether they're nice or ugly or whatever. I want to be, my heart response to be nice because it's who I am. And in the same way, I want to have that kind of life with my praise. That I don't... I, it doesn't matter what circumstance I find myself in. doesn't matter what situation of life I am. I praise because it's who I am. It's not what I do. It's who I am. And let, church, let's commit to being people like that. Well, we praise because it's who we are, not what we do. So can I encourage you? Choose a posture of praise. Be a person that goes, you know what, I'm going to have a public praise. I'm going to live a life where I thank God, I see his glory, that my eyes will be opened to his goodness in my life. Because it does not matter where we find ourselves, God is that good and we've got to realign ourselves to those things. And I, I just really believe as a church, it's time for us to dial up the intensity of our praise. It's time for us to dial up the intensity of our worship where we go, you know what, God, no, we're going to reject this kind of going through the motions, this obligation of, oh, well, we better just sing. But no, God, have it all. God, you're so good. And in a random thing, right, our name is One Heart. 
And I truly believe worship is one of the things where we can have one heart. I play football and in Australia, it's such a weird culture. If a team wins, if you've ever been in experience, I, it doesn't matter who annoyed me in the game, who didn't pass me the football, who, who, whatever the things are, that you can be so annoyed in a game of football for whatever reason. But when you win and you sing that song, I don't care who it was, I've got my arms around you, I'm singing that ridiculous whatever. The footy songs are so ridiculous. We're, at the top of our lungs, we are united. But you know what? I think like the football clubs have stolen something that the church is meant to have. That's meant to be church. We're meant to be arms around each other, like shouting at the top of our lungs because when we win footy, you've got the victory. You're like, how good was that? That's what church is meant to be. We've got the victory. We're sweaty. We're gross. We're dirty. But God, you're so good in our lives. And I want to have a church that's like that, where that if I can get excited about winning a game of football, that means nothing. I want to have an acceleration of Jesus saved me from my sin. Jesus filled me with the Holy Ghost. What have I got to that can quench that? But so that's why I want to have the response that worship is what I do, not who I am. I praise because it's who I am, not what I do. Number three, we're getting to an end. The plane's coming down. There's purpose in prison. The purpose in prison. When we, when we read about Jesus, it's like, again, there's so much stuff about Jesus. I'm like, mate... He dresses the human heart condition in ways that just challenges everything out of me. It's like, Jesus, I wanted to be encouraged this morning. I didn't want to be challenged. But he'll say comments like, um, love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. Now, it's easy to preach that. It's another thing to go through it. When you've got someone that's out against you, when you've got people that are trying to mock and condemn everything that you say, it is so, like we see churches get attacked on, on, on the media all the time. Like, that's, it's a hard to go, you know what, God, we pray for the media. Bless them as they try to expose scandals that don't exist. Bless them. It's hard to live life like that. And, and But Jesus says these crazy things. He says, like, um, you, you've heard it said, like, um, uh, like, tooth for tooth, eye for eye. Jesus says, like, well, no, I'm saying go the extra mile. Someone slaps you on the cheek, give them the other cheek also. It's like, Jesus, what are you talking about? This is ridiculous. But Paul and Silas took their Christian faith seriously and just didn't hear that as a suggestion. They took that as a command and they lived it where where they're beaten in prison, yet they have eyes of kindness for the prison guard. He was on death row thinking, oh no, I've failed. They wanted me to make sure these guys stayed in here. Without an earthquake, they've surely escaped. And then Paul and Silas go, you know what? This, this, this whole like process that wants to keep me uh, in prison, we have love for them. I have care for them. And then it's so amazing because then they saw a seed of kindness and said, hey, stop. Do not put that sword back in its sheath. Do not end your life. Their, their, their seed of kindness was reflected back to them because then they were, had their wounds mended and bandaged and all those awesome things. But where are our eyes? What do where, When we're in prison, do we live like Jesus? Do we have His response, or do we, or do we choose to be offended? Do we choose to be a victim? And I, I, I want to be a Paul and Silas that live unoffendable. They go, you know what? I'm living like Jesus, and I love those that are unlovable. I love those that seek harm against me. I love those that seek oppression against me, because that's what we're called to do. And like, and, and it's crazy because our culture preaches be a victim. 
Um, our culture says things like that. You can't say this because that might offend someone. You can't do this because it might offend someone. And now I'm not saying as Christians we live life wanting to offend people. But we want to, we've got to be people that, we, Romans 12, 2, don't be uh, conformed to the customs of this world. We can't live life so, offend, so easily offended, so easily hurt. Like even I've seen things in Australia that have saddened me in our politics. But at, at the same point, I can't live offended going, well, because our culture's not Christian. How blessed was I last week that I was paid to have time off to celebrate Easter? Like there might be some stuff in Australia that's not good, but I can still be thankful. That is a massive blessing that I got paid to come to church. But where else does that happen? But I could be so like, well, what about the abortion laws? What about these other things that are evil and wrong? Yes, but I still got to hold on and not be a victim, not be offended by God. And I praise you for the blessings that are in Australia. I got they're, they're things that I wrestle with myself. But more than just the, these men being Christians, a biblical Christian, there was a purpose in prison, right? And they, the last few years as One Heart Church, we've been having this theme of for the one. For the one, but we want to be a church where we, we we're not saying we want to um, we don't want a church that empties out the other churches. We want the non-saved saved. That's why we're here as Christians. We're here to plunder hell and populate heaven. That's why we exist. And we're not wanting to do a massive next week. We've got a hundred people here. No, we just want one at a time. Jesus was cared about the one. Luke 15. And we want to have that desire. We care about the one. And Paul had his eyes on the prize. He had his eyes on the one where because of his position of work. And here's the thing. We just saw, we don't worship for the breakthrough. The breakthrough happens for the worship. Paul and Silas, the breakthrough wasn't even for them. They could have easily, oh, the, the, the doors are open. Woohoo! let's go. Let's limp out of here because they're all beaten. And, no, they didn't limp out of there. They had their eyes on the one. They had their eyes on the prize because they understood there's a purpose for my prison. There's a purpose why God placed me here. And that was to see a man get saved. And then what's even more amazing, and I see this in youth, one person comes in and then they bring their sister. One person comes in, they bring their brother. And there's a multiplication to the one. Because then we see this one man encounters God and his whole family encounters God. And I don't know where people but I'm believing for, for a supernatural breakthrough right now. I'm just going to go, go, go for the Spirit right now. If, you, if there's someone here, you've recently been saved and your family isn't, why don't you just raise your hand? I'm just going to pray right now that we can see a miracle in your family, that we can see your wife, your sisters, your whatever it is. Get saved. God, right now, we just pray for these hands. God, you see these family members. God, I just believe for a breakthrough to take place on those people, God, that we can see them just like this prison guard got saved in his family got saved. God, I pray for that kind of a miracle to take place in their situations. Continuation. So we, we see Paul and Silas see this man. They they and he, he well, he's like death's door, going like thing. He's about to end it all. And he 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 had a position where eternity was put before him, going, What's the purpose of life? And he goes, I need to get my life right. He says, How can I be saved? And Paul and Silas said, obviously went through a uh, a new Christian journey with him and he made the decision and he decided that day it's time to get baptised. And for those watching online, for those in the room, if you have not been baptised and you want to follow Jesus, can I encourage you, get baptised. It, it is such an important thing to do. It's not, again, Jesus didn't suggest Matthew 28, 19, uh, maybe make make disciples and maybe baptise them. No, go and make disciples, baptising them. 
Jesus did it. We need to do it. Last week at Easter, we celebrated the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. When what is baptism? Is we we saying we signifying that we want that connection that we die to our old life, just like Jesus rose again. We rise again to a new life, and it's awesome. And so, really, baptism is a sign that you are now part of the church. And I know stories and testimonies of people that have left religions, and the decision for baptism was a massive decision because that then then meant they're they're disconnected from their family, they're disconnected from everybody that they ever knew, and because it costs you something, you're dying. Now, I heard a preacher once talking about baptism as a funeral service. That's what it is, because you're dying to your old life and you're rising again to a new life. And can I encourage you to make that decision, make that pledge, go, you know what, today I go public with my faith. Today I'm committing to go all out. It's like a marriage where you say, you're saying one to the Yes to one and no to everybody else. That's a huge commitment. I'm saying yes to you and no and no to everybody else. And that's what when we do when we get baptized, we say, Jesus, you're first. Jesus, all of my life is yours. All of my and when you make that decision, God will give you the ability to access that authority, that anointing of God to live a life that makes disciples. I just believe that's one heart church. We're going to see that more, more, and more. And uh, with all that, I'm reminded of like of Joseph, where where in the book of Genesis it says that he's betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, then he's put into then he's then he's falsely accused, put into prison. If anyone, and then, and then we see that God has that miracle, elevates him to prime minister, and then he saves like the whole region after seven years of massive famine. For those that know the story, he had this dream as a boy that people are going to bow down to him. And then, but then you see the steps to get to that situation. I'm like, yeah, I want the dream, but I don't want the process to get there. And But in, in the crazy thing is with this Joseph situation, like Paul and Silas, um, that they have the same response. Because then Joseph, his dad dies and his mother's like, oh no, Joseph's going to pay us back now for the evil that we did to him. And so they make up this scheme to, to say, um, like, Dad said this, don't kill us, please. And Joseph's like, what are you talking about? Um, God sent me here to save the lives of many. And like, I read that, like, what are you talking about, Joseph? Where is your heart's condition at? Because Joseph had a heart to say that he understood the perspective of God, that there was a purpose to his prison. There was a purpose to his pain. That he was there to physically to save the lives of the whole Middle East region. But in the same way for us, like Paul and Silas, there's a purpose for our pain. There's a purpose for our prison. Yeah, we might have the right to be a victim. Yeah, we may have the right to be offended. But I believe in those situations that we find ourselves, there's a purpose for it. And that we can, if we open up our eyes, if we commit to worship, we're going to see miracles take place where we can see the one get saved. That we can see the one get saved. That we can see the one become a family, get saved. And if it happened for if Joseph had that harsh response, if Paul and Silas had that harsh response, I believe I can have that harsh response. I believe we can have that harsh response and live a life that honours God. So, And so, I want us to be a church where we start singing for souls. Singing for souls. And so, um, uh, right now, I don't know where people sit. I don't know where you sit with Jesus. And, and you, there might be people in this, this building today and they go, you know what, I actually want to 
I want to take my first step to know this Jesus. I want to, I want to be able to live a life like this Paul and Silas, where they were unoffendable, where they, they, weren't, they didn't live as victims, that they had purpose despite their pain. That they, that, that if, and if, if people in this building this morning go, yep, that's me, Josh. I want to know this Jesus. I want to know the Jesus that saved that prison guard who, is, who thought that what's the point of life and found his point for life. If there's someone in this room today, you go, God, that's me. That's me, Josh. Why don't you just raise your hand and, and I can help lead you on a, on a decision to, to follow Jesus. Is there anyone in this room this morning that want to make that decision? That's fine. No one this morning. But can we stand to our feet? We're going to pray and close right now. And I'm just going to believe that God can concrete what has been set in our lives this morning. So we've talked about three, three, three things this morning. There's power in prayer, praise in public, and there's a purpose in prison. And I don't know what things maybe are spoken to you. Maybe all three points, maybe one point. But I'm just believing today that uh, I'm going to pray in faith. And so if that's you in, in any of these things, why don't you raise your hands and say, God, that's me. But there's going to be people today that it's time to say, I've had enough of the demonic spirits in my world and I'm going to activate the power of prayer. I'm going to activate the anointing and the authority of God. And if that's you, as I pray, I want you to say, you know what, God, that's me. I, I want the power of God. I want the anointing of God. I want the authority of God. I want to have discernment and I want to speak and see the demonic oppressions uh, freed off of people's lives. There's people in here that we've got to understand how we can praise in public. That we've got to shift from being a prayer, praise being what we do to praise being who we are. And we're going to worship today. God, I just want to have my eyes on your glory. I want to get my eyes off the things that distract me. My eyes off the things that want to, want to uh, uh, rob the miracle for someone else to be removed. That I can press in to, to, to have a David worship where, where it didn't matter what what uh, circumstance happened. He gave his all even when he was judged by his wife. And she said, how ashamed, did, uh, how undignified you look. And he says, I would be even more unashamed in worship. That, that spirit would get upon you in worship. And finally, that there be a purpose in prison, that we would live a life that we're unoffendable, that we would live a life where we're not victims, where we're not looking at anything to be offended by, but we go, God, where's the one in this situation? God, why have you placed me here? I'm not here to be... And can I tell you, even with that, that's how the enemy works. If they were to uh, miss their eyes from that pain, they would have missed that person getting saved. And I believe that's what the enemy wants to do. He knows that we're close to seeing a person's life transformed where he'll give us every reason to quit. But I want us to live a life where we, where we just take that and go, we're not going to quit here because this is why I'm here because God's got a reason for me. So Holy Spirit right now, we just pray as a church that you would give us the ability, the capacity to ha- understand the power of prayer. God, I pray for discernment to fall afresh on people here this morning that they would call out the demonic spirits, that your authority, that your anointing would go with them, that in the name of Jesus, we would see miracles. In the name of Jesus, we would see the supernatural break. God, right now, I just pray for our worship, God, that it would dial up, that we would go to new levels, where we would let embarrassment, insecurities rule our praise, God. Praise would be what we do. Praise would be who we are. That it would just be an overflow, that, that God, we would see from that, the overflow of that, we'd see miracles take place. We'd see walls come down. We'd see breakthrough take place, God. And God, I ultimately then pray, God, that we would understand the purpose of our prison. God, we would understand the purpose why you place us on earth. God, that when it gets hard, when it gets unfair, when it's not what's unjust, God, 
that we would have our eyes on the prize, that we would have our eyes for souls, that we would see miracles take place in our lives. God, that we would see families take uh, families restored to your kingdom in your mighty name, Jesus. Why don't we just sing?